Hello and welcome to the Fishing Guide Podcast. Tell you what, this is pretty exciting because we're at uh, Major League Fishing at the Red Crest Championship. But, you know, when it comes to fishing, everyone wants to catch fish, but there's another side of that, isn't there, Steve? So tell them them who you are and uh, what you do for Major League Fishing. Yeah, Brad, thank you so much. My name is Stephen Barton, fisheries biologist and the director of the Major League Fishing Fisheries Management Division. Yep, but so that's kind of a big title, but you have a lot that you do. What what do you think, um, if you had to put it in the things that you do in the categories, how would you how would you label that? You have habitat, you have everything, don't you? Exactly. That's so simple for us. We actually did uh, quite a bit of research before we announced our fisheries management division. Right. we, We really focused on four areas, Brad. Okay. We've got fish care. All right. Major League Fishing inherently has great fish care. We got fish care. That's one of our pillars. Uh Uh, We've got education. So I do a lot of speaking to anglers directly. I do a lot of educating youth. And then we write a lot of articles for the website. Uh, Then we have our research department where I work collecting the data every single day from our competition and providing that to state agencies. And also work with universities and state agencies to do research projects at our events. And then finally, we have fisheries enhancement. And fisheries enhancement is that fun part where we get our hands dirty, we build habitat, do vegetation, planting. We get to work in the field and actually do fisheries work. I tell, I think I saw something where you guys were doing some, uh, some fisheries where you were talking about fish care. Okay. And, and you were really going in depth on how how you're going to improve that and, and get the fish. I thought they said grow the fish bigger, but yeah. Well, did, were you talking about that? No, exactly. This is exactly bass. what we do, Brad. So <laughs> we have what we call our, our major league fishing lunker DNA initiative. Oh yeah. You, you nailed that one. I like so, that. So what we do is every time one of our anglers on the Bass Pro tour or anywhere where one of our live release boats, right. is, when they catch a fish over seven pounds, we do what's called a mouth swab. So, right. so we take this little swab, we uncap right. it, we rub it on the tongue of the fish, uh-huh. and we close it up. And then we send that to Auburn University. Right. And what they do is they do a DNA analysis on that fish. And so what, what we get back is Florida genetic versus northern genetic, because those right. are two different species. Yep. Uh, we get that. And then we also get the percentage that is crossed, as in, is this a first-generation cross, or has this happened throughout its lineage? Really? So, Brad, what, that's, what that is allowing us to do is look at where do Florida genetics either naturally or currently occur right. in the United States geographically. So we can find a northern boundary on a pure Florida. Where can it occur? And right. then we can also see, not on a population level, but on these superior size fish, over seven pound, the big fish. Wow. Where what genetic grows to that superior size in those fisheries? So we are. This is first of its kind, right? Uh, in, in in the industry, a league that's really focused on. Let's figure out the science behind how to grow these bigger fish, and then stock those fish that select genetic later. Right. And so how many fish, this is April, do you know how many fish that you've had come in over seven pounds? Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, so we have oh. the, the Bass Pro Tour, one event so far. Okay. Well, they come to my house, right? Like, I get the samples. Okay. So we've had I the gotcha. Bass Pro Tour, but we've had uh, we've had two Tackle Warehouse Invitationals, and we've had uh, about four other events where our release boats were. And we, okay. have, we have about 49 samples exactly right now. 49. Yep. Over seven pounds. <laughs> Over seven pounds. And those fisheries, we have some from Texas. Uh, right. We have a 13-pound fish from Louisiana. Wow. We've got some from Florida, of course. 
and then uh, we'll start as our as our northern swing starts. We'll right. get the really important ones. The important ones come from Missouri, Tennessee, uh, oh. maybe even Kentucky. Like those right. those areas that have a little bit more question on what Florida genetic might be in the fisheries at this time. So is that just a largemouth thing? It's not a smallmouth thing? That's a, a largemouth thing. Now, there are, right. technically, there are three different species of smallmouth if we want right. to get way into the weeds genetically, yeah. uh-huh. but the northern smallmouth is the one that's most prominent, and that's the one that grows to the advanced size. So we know the genetics right. of a smallmouth if it's oh. six or seven pounds. We know that. Right. I got you. So... You know, I always am wondering that you guys go out there and you get all the samples. You learn, like, where all the fish come from. Do you guys, like, you always pound the big fish? Do you always catch the big fish? No. And why I don't mean, you fish tournaments if you know where all, you know all these answers? I, I will explain that. That is such a good question. <laughs> so I, I grew up just like you did where right. I'm fishing and, you know, I'm, I'm at a pond or I'm at a lake and I'm thinking, oh, I've got to catch one more because if I catch one more, this will be my five-fish bag, and then I'm, right. I'm in my head pretending I'm at the classic, and you know, right. I put myself in that situation. Uh, but as I got a little bit older, I, f- I realized I wasn't, uh, I did, wasn't driven by competition in fishing. Right. I want to I figure them out. Right. I want to figure out exactly what the pattern is. I want to catch as many as possible, right. but I don't want to beat you doing it. I want me and Brad to have a good time together doing it. Right. Uh, so instead... What I learned that I was I was really intrigued in is, is business. I like competition in business. Right. So to me, getting a biology degree, I'm a private biologist. I don't work uh-huh. for the state. Oh. Um, so I compete in business every day. Right. Growing big fish, and that's I what see. really intrigues me. It's it's so much fun whenever I can take a fishery and maybe produce a 15 pound fish in it. Right. And then and then you know everything that happened to have that happen and now maybe a 10 year old kid is the is the person that caught it that's really cool to me i got you yeah so that's that's your background going that's my background and uh with major league fishing in the fisheries management division we want every angler especially the youth anglers to have the opportunities that maybe we had in the past those excellent days those hundred fish days right or those big fish opportunities we want that to sustain and across the country our fisheries are aging our reservoirs yes, are aging. right. The height of reservoir construction was in the 60s and 70s. At this time, 2023, we build reservoirs at a slower rate than we did in 1890. Wow. Now, all those reservoirs, they age in a predictable way. Right. They accumulate silt. The habitat yep. deteriorates. And so what that has left us with is fisheries that really need improvement. And so I, I think the peak of fisheries management is right now. It's when we have the most difficult problems. We're not building new lakes. Right. We have to manage our lakes. And so it intrigues me. It's the competition that drives me. And right. that's what we do at the Fisheries Management Division. We make the lakes a little better. Well, let's talk a little bit about fish, how they how they live, where they live. Let's just look at the spring. This is the spring. And so if you were fishing in, say, uh, in the central part of the states and okay. you, were, you were fishing, where would you head off to? If you got in a boat and you were in, say, let's say Table Rock Lake. That's okay. a pretty common lake. Well, or Kentucky Norman? Lake. We're here. Okay, Norman. Yeah, Perfect. Norman. All right. We're seeing it, we're seeing it happen live. Uh, right. If I was largemouth fishing right now, Norman's, I guess I shouldn't have picked Norman. It's See, such it a unique case. Mouth. Yeah. Uh-huh. Norman has largemouth and it has Alabama bass. Right. So Alabama bass live in a, in a main channel. 
uh-huh. they don't live in shallow, super shallow water. They, oh. they live in main channel. Right. So if I was fishing Lake Norman right now, I'm going to head shallow because I want an opportunity to catch those bigger largemouth, right? Right. And I know that's where they're going to be. And they're going to set up for spawn. Alabama bass spawn slightly before largemouth. Right. Uh, so they're they're hitting their beds right now. So I'm going to head to tributaries. I'm going to head to, right. uh, you know, those skinnier waters. Lake Norman's about five foot low, so it's easy to see them right now too. But it's, right. it's a spawning tournament. Uh-huh. If I was on Table Rock, uh, we talk about it's it's probably another month behind this. Right. Um, it's unfair because I have all the MLF data, so I know exactly right. where the smallmouth are right now. But right. I would look for a contour line, let's say okay. 15 foot, 10 foot, and I would identify that contour line, main lake, main points leading into those channels. And if I could get a bite on a specific contour line, that's what I'm going to focus on. Right. Contour. Gotcha. Uh, this time of year, because they're moving up vertically and they're picking, uh, they're they're picking their staging to move into spawn. So, what do you think like major differences are uh, between a largemouth and a smallmouth? Uh, so, largemouth are visual predators. Okay. What? That's that's how they're going to hunt. They're going to hunt visually. All right. Uh, they we consider them to be ambush predators in the fact that they like to hide and wait to capture fit forage right. where a smallmouth uses a lot more of sense of smell really um, so they will identify fish from a further way away it's it's to see something you have to have water clarity to right. smell something you just have to be in proximity and you have to oh. have current bringing it to you so smallmouth will right. travel a little bit further um, smallmouth will also orient themselves around a habitat but not stuck next to it to ambush uh-huh. so they will swim further for their forage um Largemouth are typically are in, what, in what's called the littoral zone. And the yeah. littoral zone is the part of the reservoir where sunlight penetrates to the bottom. And that's also the area mm. that most typically grows grass or aquatic vegetation. Right. So I would, I would look for largemouth around that aquatic vegetation. Where right. smallmouth, they can be in the littoral zone. They, they, they tend to be. But they like a, a harder, rockier habitat. So they would avoid the inside of the vegetation and if they were near vegetation they'd be on the edge so there's some habitat differences um Hmm. there's a little bit of an aggression difference too um the the large mouth is is slightly more docile until it's going to ambush something right a small mouth is very competitive they live in schools more often and so they'll compete against each other i got so they will move to a bait uh just so that their neighbors can't get it wow well, we're going to shift gears. We're going to go to electronics and how electronics is changing. You know, it's it's probably changing the fisheries because of where the fish are located or where the anglers are located uh-huh. to catch the fish. So tell us, uh, tell us your view on it. You know, yeah. tell us, give us your opinion on that. Well, I mean, technology is advancing quickly, and in right. fisheries management, we're using it uh, the same way anglers are. There you uh, go. I have forward-facing sonar on my survey boat. Right. I can see fish out ahead of me as I'm surveying a lake. Um, we use electronics to map reservoirs and give us real-time data on aquatic vegetation, depth, and silt. Uh, so, so it's a yeah. really big benefit for us. Uh-huh. But uh, on the angling side, and what it's doing is it's allowing anglers to advance their skill of finding fish. Okay. It still takes, uh, you know, if you identify a fish, even a forward-facing sonar, you identify where a fish is. You still have to be accurate enough with your cast. You have to have that skill to be accurate with your cast to present the bait. 
Right. You have to have the right bait selection to make that fish bite. Uh-huh. And you also are now learning, uh, I, I like to say, like when you fish with your grandpa and he said, you've got to be quiet, the fish can hear you. You're right. learning that that is true because right. you can now see the fish and see that as you're in, as you're getting closer, they're hearing the boat, they're swimming away. Right. And so I, I think forward-facing in, in the new technologies, they're, all, they're fixing and, and helping with the learning curve for new anglers. Right. For us uh, anglers that have been doing this for a long time, it's just solidifying things that we already knew. Right. And, and in a way, it's, when you, you talk about the fish population, it's kind of hard because you're, the one tournament, they release them. Right. After they're caught. But right. let's talk about uh, the invitationals okay. and BFLs, even down to BFLs. Yeah. So how is fish management being taken care of? Okay. You know, yeah. when people go, well, they got live scope and they're catching all the fish and you're at an invitational. What What's right. your response to a person that says that? Yeah, we are. So whenever we do a five fish limit tournament with a weigh-in, uh-huh. the hard part is we're culling fish throughout the day and we're selecting our biggest five. Right. So we are taking an advanced size fish from that environment, and we're moving it to a weigh-in location. Right. As a tournament organization, we have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to take those advanced size fish and do everything possible to make sure that those fish are released back in that environment. So we have the live release boats. We have five of them at Major right. Fishing that travel to all of our events. Uh, those live release boat teams, I asked them whenever I got here, I said, right. how long have you been doing this? And the average response was 20 years. Wow. Yeah, so most of our they're guys. They're good. They're good at it. They're really good at it. They can uh-huh. fizz fish. They can, uh, you know, apply the right amount of salt, uh, oxygen, things like that to recuperate fish. Right. So on the angler side, we need good live well care. You uh-huh. get the fish to our to our uh, weigh-in, and we have a 97% live release. Uh, wow. We initially had a 99%, and I did something that was kind of controversial. I said, right. at the bump board, the fish is alive, right? It, it can right. move. That's a live fish. That's how every league does it. I said, let's redefine that. Well, those fish are alive, but let's get them to the boat, and let's look at how do those fish... Are they going to be released and thrive? So now, right. instead of live release, I call it thrive release. Okay. Right? We have right. 97% well, thrive release. Those fish are fish that I know are going to go back into the system and thrive. Right. Now, as a general rule, most of our reservoirs in the United States are under-harvested whenever we talk about bass species. Okay. So we need some harvest. The tournament is not the place to do that because we're taking advanced-sized fish. We don't want right. to harvest advanced fish. We need to harvest smaller fish. So there is some education that has to occur on what types of fish need to be removed because every reservoir has a carrying capacity. And as reservoirs right. age, that carrying capacity goes down. Uh-huh. So the reservoirs that we have that are carrying the same number of fish, this fish can become more stunted or smaller uh, at those small sizes. Right. So we need to harvest more of those juvenile fish. Um, we need to protect the big advanced-sized fish. We need to do everything we can whenever we're at our events to do that. And I think we really we do a phenomenal job at it. There you go. Yeah, and that's just with experience. That's nothing that I, nothing right. that I can claim credit for. That's experience of the live release teams. Awesome. Yeah. That takes us up to Tackle Time. Tackle Time sponsored by Pico Lures. Pico Lures has a complete line of hard and soft baits. They catch all kinds of fish, including those big largemouth, over seven pounds, 
that we've been talking about. Uh, walleyes, crappie, they got everything you need to catch them. All you have to do is check them out at picolures.com. Steve, if they want to uh, find out more about what you're doing uh, or if they want to get in contact with you, you know, to uh, talk about conservation or something, where would they go? The best place is majorleaguefishing.com. Okay. If you go to the main page, you're going to see a blue fisheries management division logo on the on the right side of the screen. All right. You like on that, your shirt there. Just like yep. this one all here. Right. You click that, and it's going to take you to all of our articles. And they're divided by pillars. So if you're really interested in the fish habitat, right. you can click that and see all of our projects. Or okay. maybe you're interested in that fish care. You click right. that, and you can, you can see our tips on there. All right, sounds good. Well, like I always like to end the show, make sure you keep your hook sharp and your lures in the water. <laughs>